The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests. Hello, and welcome to Two Millennials, One Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Richmond. And I'm Ethan Gable. This week is episode, what is it, 17? Correct. Holy moly. And we're going to be talking about deep thought. Before we get started, make sure that you follow us on all of our podcasting apps and you give us lots of good ratings. And also recall that we are going to do an Ask Us Anything episode here really soon. I've had several people send in questions. I've had some people come up to me being like, oh my gosh, I keep meaning to send you a question. If you're that person, Robert Campbell, go ahead and send that question in. That episode's coming up soon. Yes. Oh my goodness. I would love to answer some questions from Robert Campbell. Also, before we get started, I would like to give a massive shout out to my co-host, who is about to graduate from high school. Yes! Congrats, dude. That's awesome you made it through. I'm stoked that you're about to enter the next portion of your life. That's so cool. Not that it's been like too terribly difficult to get through high school, but I always think that saying congratulations to graduates is a weird thing. What else would we say to you? I don't know. I think graduation is a like a huge thing nowadays, but it's almost expected that everybody graduates. So I don't, it's not that big of a deal. Nonetheless, Congratulations, co-host. Thanks, pal. So the theme of this episode, and this is part one, by the way, this is going to be a two-parter. We're going to ask each other these deep philosophical questions and just see what happens. You're going to hear some weird things, I'm sure. So Abby, here's my first one for you. How long do you think you'll be remembered after you die? Oh, man. If I died right now, I feel as though I would be remembered in my peers' eyes as, like, that girl that died in high school. You know what I mean? Like, I would have a reason why people would remember me. I'm thinking about some kids right now that unfortunately died uh, while I was in high school or shortly thereafter. And yeah, I remember them solely because of that. Right. I want to think that I will make a lasting impact on the world as in whatever I end up doing with my life, I want it to be important, but I don't necessarily think that I want to be someone that like is written down in history books. I just want to be someone that is important in at least one life. That's an admirable goal. Do you think you've accomplished that thus far? Or do you think that's going to be a process you accomplish as you age? I think I've probably made an impact on at least someone's life, but whether or not they'll remember me as they go on into old age or not is questionable. Teachers are always quoted as someone who helped mold a younger person's life. So if I do end up being a teacher, I think that that will probably help. But currently, I don't feel like I've done anything overwhelmingly impactful. You have many years to accomplish that. Oh, yeah. If I pose this question to myself, my connection to the future and as long as I'll be remembered, I think when my last student dies... Whoever that is, that's probably it for me because I'll be long dead and I don't have family. I have no plans to have offspring. So there's no one that's going to remember me that's younger than me necessarily. I don't think my siblings are going to have children either. So my family will die out. I mean, honestly, other than that, it's going to be my students. So once they're dead, that's it. Unless I somehow in the next 40 years do something that's worth remembering, which I don't plan to do, but who knows? I'd say probably in 110 years, I will die for the second time when my name is spoken for the last time. 
Oh, that's kind of scary to think about when your name is last spoken for the lot. Ooh, that's scary. But you never know that someone could be walking through a graveyard and they see your headstone and they're like, oh, Ethan Gable, I wonder what this man was like when he was alive. True, but I'm part of that segment of the millennials that does not want a tombstone, does not want a casket. I just want to be cremated and grow a tree out of my ashes or something. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) Dope, dude. (laughs) I think that that's such a waste of space, especially because it's nice nature space and then you're just putting random bodies everywhere. Like that's kind of creepy. But if I would have the ability to freaking grow a tree, I would continue to help the earth even in my afterlife because I would be giving off oxygen. There's a sort of dark romanticism to that. I think it's cooler to think that Abby Richmond's descendants will be able to go see mom or grandma or whatever's tree opposed to some depressing tombstone in a cemetery. And like, what if I was a fruit tree? Absolutely. Your decomposing body could be a peach tree. Abby's peaches. Perfect. <laughs> Do you think that it's weird to think about you being the end of some some long lineage? That you're the end. Absolutely. There's an unbroken branch between the first Homo sapien and me, and I'm just going to stop it. Hmm. No more gables. Not of this variety. <laughs> okay. Anyways... Are you ready for my question? Let's hear it. If pressing a button meant you received $5 million, but it killed five people somewhere in the world, would you press it? I love money. As bad as that is, I like to be comfortable and I like to be able to have the power to buy things, but I can honestly say I would not push that button. What if it was just one person? Still wouldn't push it. I don't think I would either. Knowing that I was the reason behind someone's demise, I don't think it could be a billion dollars. Me neither. I mean, it's an interesting thought experiment and that money is alluring, but I don't even think I'm that wholesome of a human. But I don't think I could live with myself knowing that I just offed somebody to financially benefit myself. (gasps) Have you seen Pushing Daisies? I have not. I assume you're talking about the TV show? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I like it a lot. Okay, but the concept is that this guy has powers and every time he touches a dead person, they can come back to life, but only for like 60 seconds. And if they're alive for longer than that, then somebody else dies. So with that in mind, would you keep someone alive? If you could touch someone else and bring them back to life, would you be okay knowing that someone else would die in their place? And who would you touch? Oof. I don't know. I was very, very close to my grandparents, all of them, and that sucked when they died. Probably the hardest deaths I've had to deal with, but I don't know. I don't know if I would sacrifice somebody else to bring them back. They had long, great lives. They were all incredibly sick or out of their head, out of their right mind at the end. Assuming you could bring them back to their right mind, I still don't know if I would do it. I guess I value current human life more so than bringing back a grandparent. I don't know. What would you do? Is there someone that you have lost that is that important that you would sacrifice someone else? Well... I also would take into consideration if I could pick who died. What if I could pick someone who is terminally ill and like just wants to die anyways? I mean, that definitely changes the calculus on that, no doubt. That seems like a more fair trade. Maybe if I could bring them back for just a day and someone could die for a day. But I don't think that I have lost anyone close enough to me that I would want to like just keep around forever. I agree. And I think 
my opinion on that would change too. Heaven forbid if my brother or sister died or my girlfriend or, I mean, even you at this point, if there are these people that are consistently close to me every single day, if one of them died at such a young age, I would probably have a different opinion. Whereas my 87-year-old grandparent, they had a great life. I don't know if I would trade even a terminally ill person to have uh, another day with them. Now that I say it that way, I don't know. This is hard stuff. That is an interesting question. Or like somebody from the past that I never even got to meet. That's fair. Like what if I could dig them up and touch their yucky body and then talk to them for a day? I have a pretty extensive genealogy of my family and there's some names way back on there that I would just be cool to sit down and talk to those dudes. Why am I here? Who am I? Like what, what about my past could tell me about who I am now? That'd be intriguing to talk to my great, great, great grandpa or something like that. Holy cow. You ready for another one? I'm ready. All right. This is kind of a weird one. By what standards do you judge yourself? I don't know how I want to go about this question. I think a lot of like the good enough standard comes from social media, but then also like, am I being a decent human being comes from how similarly am I living my life to my parents and in accordance to what the Bible says that I should be doing. So do you think the combination of those two things, I guess all three things, if you pair social media in there, drives your moral code and just how you choose to conduct yourself or how you feel that you should conduct yourself? Yeah. I think with the social media add-in, it's not necessarily that I should be living like everyone on social media, but a lot of the times I don't want to live like everybody else, so it steers me away from that. Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe that's like my left bound and then everything else is my right bound. Like what I should be doing and what I should not be doing. I like that. It's like a continuum. The Bible's on one side and Instagram posts on a Saturday night at 3 a.m. is the other side of the scale. Yes. (laughs) What about you? When I read this question, I broke my life down into facets and tried to answer it with the different facets in mind. Uh, For instance, the standards I hold myself to at work, I'm always comparing myself to the best teacher you can think of. I'm my own person, no doubt, but I want the same results. I want the same engagement from students. So professionally, that's what I'm going for. What other facets of your life do you have standards for? I guess my private life or my personal life, I guess would be a better way to put that. It's rooted in Christianity simply because I was raised in it. Obviously, as we've talked about before, I don't identify as a Christian currently. But the things that Jesus talked about and taught, I mean, I try to live up to that. I think the stuff he had to say was legit. I try not to be a liar or a cheater. I try not to murder and all of those other bad things. I try to live a really decent life. Not to mention, I have students that look up to me. Unfortunately, I am a strong male figure for some kids that don't have one. I feel like I need to live my life in a positive manner. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But there's a bar there, and I try to hit that bar as often as I can. That's interesting. Would you consider yourself as someone that other people try to be like? As far as peers or as far as like younger people? Either. Peers, I don't know. I think in the next few years, I'll be able to answer that better as we hire some younger teachers. 
Yeah. But for young men students or young male students, yeah, I think to some extent, which is a scary amount of power to have. I need to make sure that I'm not being overly sarcastic or lying to them about like, yeah, I worship Satan and I killed a goat last night. Like, obviously, (laughs) I don't want to convey that to them because they're looking for a role model or they're like, man, this guy, he's all right. And he he got his life figured out and he's young and blah, blah, blah. And he kills goats. I got to be careful with that. They are watching and they are absorbing this stuff. Yeah, I do think I am a role model to some people. That's neat to think about. It's kind of scary. The same question could go to you. I think you are definitely a role model to some kids. Do you see that? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I can see where I put myself in situations in which I could be a role model, especially since I'm like a senior and involved in a bazillion activities. I have opportunities in which I could be a role model. I just don't know if people actually pay that much attention to me. Okay, are you ready? Yes, ma'am. I didn't think that I could wrap my head around this question, and so this is definitely one that I hope you can understand. Is what we perceive reality or just a construct of our minds? Oh, that's about as deep as that gets. Is what we observe reality or just a construct of our minds? Like, what if you're actually in a coma right now and everything that's going on is just your coma brain. Or what if we're all cells on some other being's elbow and our whole universe is just that thing? Like what if what we perceive as reality is just not even remotely correct? Like we're all who's on that little dandelion? Yes, just like that. I guess the follow-up question to that is whether it's our reality or not or whether we're in someone's fishbowl or whatever the case may be, does it matter? You know what I mean? Would you be hurt if we found out that we were just like Sims characters? How would that change your life? I don't think it would hurt me or change my life or make me feel less real. The interactions that I have and the things that I possess and all of that I perceive as real. And that's my reality. And if you told me that, yes, we're in a simulation, but that doesn't change the construct that I'm observing, like this mic I'm talking into still feels real, still works. And just because it's in a simulation, that doesn't change things for me. Would that bother you? I don't know. I think it would definitely throw me for a loop. I would have to rethink a lot of things. Are my decisions real decisions or are they someone saying like, make this character do this? So now we've crossed into the idea of free will. Oh gosh. Let's tackle it. Do you think we have free will? Can you fit that into your religious viewpoint of of our existence? So I think that life is like a swimming pool and my God is on the outside. And so he isn't like creating all of the decisions for me. He knows all of the possibilities. My life is not one linear thing. There isn't only one way that my life can go. There's a bazillion different directions. And so I think that I have the capability of choosing which way I want to go. It's just that God knows all of the possibilities that I could choose. That's a wholesome interpretation. That allows you to have free will And it allows God to know all of your outcomes, like you said. Yeah, that works. Do you think we have free will? Oh, 100%. I think we're just a consequence of the proper proteins coming together, and we can literally do whatever we want, and there's no predestination to it. Like, if I want to stand on my head right now, I have that power. Nothing can convince me that there's some omnipresent thing that knows that I'm about to stand on my head. Do you think that fate is a thing? 
I do not think fate is a thing whatsoever. See, I don't know where I stand on that one. I think if you accept fate, you accept predestination. And I feel that people will argue with me on that. But there's some overlap there on that Venn diagram. So in your swimming pool analogy, I don't see that there can be fate unless your god or something is allowing your path through the pool to favor one outcome. Yeah, I want to think that fate is a thing because I want to believe that things happen for a reason. I don't know. I mean, take this podcast, for instance. Do you think it was fate that we made a podcast? I don't know. What if for some reason this podcast was created so that we could reach some person in Bangladesh and they just needed this podcast to keep on living? Like I said, that's a romantic thought, but I don't think that's the case. See, but you operate life on such scientific bases that you don't have the capacity to think like that. I agree. I think it's just an entertaining notion to think about that for some reason, let's operate under the premise there's a God, that God made me born in 1990 to become a teacher 21 years later, made you born in the year 2000 such that you would be my student in the year 2017, and for you to become my faculty assistant, which led to us having weird conversations such as this one that led to us recording it, that led to it being published, that led to some guy in Bangladesh listening to it. Why? Why would a god do that? Because he needed it. The guy in Bangladesh needed it. Isn't that such a inefficient way to go about things from a, a heavenly perspective? So? Wouldn't it just be better for God to like, I don't know, the guy wakes up and there's a Nintendo Switch in his living room. Okay, but wouldn't that be boring? <laughs> I suppose. Is God prone to entertainment and non-boring things? Probably, aren't you? Ooh. (laughs) Touche. Some people would argue that God doesn't operate on emotions. Right, but I feel like the idea that this podcast came together to save a guy in Bangladesh would operate on emotion. I think an emotionless God would be like, okay, dude, you're fixed. Correct. Hmm. I don't know. Do you think it's fate that your parents met? No. Well, listen, my parents having children is a pretty cool thing because... My mom was in eighth grade and my dad was a senior or something and they heckin' ran into each other at school and my mom dropped her books and my dad had to help her pick them up and they went through high school dating on and off again and then they broke up and my dad went to the army and got engaged to someone else and my mom went to college in Louisiana and also got engaged to someone else and then they were like, just kidding, we want to marry each other and they moved back to Missouri and they got married. That's a fantastic story. Yeah, so how romantic... And fate-tastic is that. <laughs> That's very fate-tastic. But, I mean, doesn't that just make sense in retrospect? Can't every outcome and everything we experience be traced back through a series of events that through the right lens seems fate-filled or fate-tastic, as you would say? Yeah, it could. So why do you have to scrutinize it so much and reduce it down to simple science? Because that's just who I am, my dude. Yeah, I don't like it. You have to have some positive, beautiful thing in your life. Like, you have to stop being so analytical. I'm sorry, I'm such a robot. It's not hurting me. It's only limiting your mind. Do you think there's social utility in believing in things like fate? Does that benefit society? Is there a reason why humans are so likely to believe that fate brought people together or fate caused outcomes? It gives people a sense of security in... in 
a saying that something happened because of something and not just assuming that it happened for no reason. I think that it puts people's minds at ease knowing that there was a reason for it. Yeah, that's a really good answer. I think that's probably the exact reason why fate is a thing. You ready for another one? <laughs> yeah. What is something that you could realistically do today that would benefit you for the rest of your life? I could start a savings fund. What's stopping you is the follow-up question. I currently am broke. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was so tidy. Very nice. Yeah, I'm sure you well know, as all young people hopefully know, the sooner the better. And I understand those college years or those late high school years broke AF all the time. That was my world. But the second you start making income, make sure that's a priority for yourself. Okay, what other investment? I could buy another dog. That would make me happy for at least another 20 years. True. That also <laughs> drains some of your savings. And then you have to go through the heartbreak in 20 years of having that beloved companion die. Okay, so? So you're the kind of person that would trade 20 years of happiness for five weeks of sadness? Yes. Fair enough. A lot of people are like that. Well, okay, I don't know. If Pig died, oh, for listeners, Pig is my dog. She's my best friend. She's a French bulldog, and she's the greatest thing ever. Anyways, if Piglet died, I don't know if I could handle it, but she would be the first pet that I have ever raised myself, and so I don't know if I could quite answer that question that you asked yet, because I've never raised something to its end. That definitely changes your outlook, at least in my experience. You get a different view on that rather quickly. Yeah. What would you do? This is something I definitely need to do. This is going to sound bad, but I have not been to the dentist in 10 years or so. <gasps> Ew! Yeah. And I know every old person you talk to tells you pretty much the same thing. Take care of your eyes, take care of your teeth, and take care of your knees. And I'm pretty good about my eyes pretty good about my knees, but I'm pretty terrible about my teeth. And that's going to cost me. I'm going to be that dude with dentures at 30. And that's depressing. And I could fix that. And what's stopping me? Who the heck knows? It's, I can't even answer that. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I need to go ahead and just make an appointment once school's out for the dentist. They'll be like, sir, you are a moron. You have 9 million cavities. We're going to have to put you under and pull out all your teeth. That's probably what's stopping you is the underlying fear of having to face the dentist telling you that you're stupid. Yeah, and that's totally it. Way to call me out on that, co-host. You got me. <laughs> I just ate some pull and peel licorice, too. I should be brushing my teeth right now. All right, we'll wrap this up. Abby, you got any song picks for this week? Okay, I did, but since I talked about peaches earlier in the episode, I went to go with Peach by the Front Bottoms. Very nice. My song this week, I'm going to throw it back since this is graduation time and uh, reflecting on my graduation a decade ago. Picked a song that I was rocking out to then. It's called You Know How I Do by Taking Back Sunday. It was the first track on their first real album, and uh, it's good. It sounds like quite the jam. Man, I should have gone with that one that they always play at like graduations that they're like, as we go down, please, please That vitamin C song? Yes. Oh, please recommend that right now. What is it called? I have no idea. Oh, it's just called graduation in parentheses, friends forever. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Abby's song pick this week is graduation, parentheses, <laughs> friends forever by vitamin C. Yes. 
absolute jam. All right, everyone. Thanks for checking out this episode of Two Millennials, One Podcast. We'll be back next week with part two of Deep Thoughts, and I'm sure we will dive into some deeper caverns the next time around. We will be seeing ya. Peace. Peace.